is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Hello, I'm David Freeman. Well, is that really in the Bible? Recently, a friend sent me this little um, response, a letter, and he said, Hi, Brother David. Can you do a video explaining why we should keep the dietary laws and his feasts, not just the Ten Commandments? Many Christians do think the Ten still apply, minus the Sabbath, of course, but they don't think we need to keep the feast and the food laws. Then these laws like incest, which are not in the ten, but clearly still stand, nobody really ever explains this properly. Okay, so it's a very good question, and I'm going to try to explain it properly and go through some points here that I hope you will get a lot out of this message. Now, one of the things you just want to get right off the bat is that Christians are very selective in the things they, that, are, that they are willing to keep. You know, it's like a smorgasbord thing, you know. It's just like, I'll, I'll take that, I'll take this, I'll take that. And they read the Bible in that fashion. That's how they read it. No one I know of claims to, you know, keep it all from book to book, from cover, cover to cover, or whatever they say. You know, no one claims to keep it all. So uh, they are very selective in the things that they do. There are many laws outside the Ten Commandments that people do keep today. And I think this is one thing that a lot of people don't even think about. People that go to church, people that attend church regularly, that they are keeping a lot of laws that are outside the Ten Commandments, that are in the Old Testament, and uh, they don't even realize it. And I'm going to go through that too. Uh, so... One of the things that I think to start this out on, what we want to do is to, to, to realize God never gave a bad law. Now, if you're one who believes that God went around giving bad laws, you're probably never going to understand God. You know, that he just, he was just, he made a lot of mistakes. You know, he just gave bad laws. They were good for nobody. They weren't even good for himself. You know, they just, he was just a God that went around giving bad laws. And, and, uh, what you want to ask is, what is the meaning behind this law? Why did God give us this law in the first place? Now, it may be hard to find the meaning behind the law. Uh, another point, not all laws apply to you, and I'll explain that later. Another point, the application of, uh, has changed in many laws. The application, how you, the principle remains the same, but how you apply it can change. Uh, and again, I think the biggest area that we have failed at is what is the meaning behind this law? Most people, when they read the Bible and they come to something they don't want to do, they, they fall back on that dead theology that says the law's been abolished, been nailed to the cross, been fulfilled, we're dead to the law, it's been, uh, you know, it's, been, it's been given to the Jews, it's not for us. And there's this complicated theology that they always fall back on when studying the Bible. Okay, so let's take a look at Matthew 5 and verse 17. 
Think not that I've come to destroy the law of the prophets, for I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Now, most people read that, Jesus' words, they say, Think not that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I've not come to destroy, but to destroy. That's how a lot of Christians read that verse. You know, he didn't come to destroy, but he came to destroy. Now, the word fulfill there, a stayer's definition is to obey as it should be. Jesus came here to obey the law as it should be. Had he not obeyed the law as it should be, we wouldn't have a Savior. Where would that leave us? Without a Savior. Okay, so it's true. The word fulfill means to obey as it should be. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or one or tittle shall in no wise pass from the law until all be fulfilled. So you might want to just walk outside and see what your feet are standing on, you know, like, okay, good solid ground, you know, earth. You may want to look up at the heavens and you think, okay, it's all still here. So this is all encompassing. Uh, which do we leave out? Is it just the Ten Commandments or is it 613 laws that are found in the Bible? So let's go through a little common sense here. Number one. I do not keep all 613 laws found in the Bible. If people tell you they do, they're lying. That, that's basically the answer there. Okay, uh, number two, I don't understand all of them. Uh, and sometimes there's a reason we don't understand. Uh, the reason we don't understand is because we overcomplicate the law or we try to overcomplicate the law. I'm gonna give you some examples of overcomplicating the law. I mean, we read something and we say, that didn't make a bit of sense, and then we overcomplicate the law, and then we say, I'll never get it, doesn't make a bit of sense. Okay, I'm going to explain that one, number two. All right, let's, let, let me do it right now. Okay, Deuteronomy 22 and verse 10. You shall not plow with an ox and an ass together. Now, no farmer with five brain cells in his head would ever think of plowing with an ox and an ass. Why? Well, because the two won't hitch up. One's big, one's small. Okay. So, got to be more to the scripture than meets the eye. Okay. Next verse. You should not wear a garment, a device, a device, a diverse source, as of woolen and linen together. Why not? What's that going to do to you? Well, here's the answer. And I talked about overcomplicating the law, and I talked about people actually going out, probably trying to hitch up an ox and an ass and wearing such clothing where they can't keep their socks up because they don't have any uh, linen in their socks or whatever. You know, it's all kinds of crazy stuff I've heard. Okay. Excuse me. Uh, uh, but here's, here's the meaning behind this law. Are you ready? Some things just don't mix. That's the meaning behind that law. Some things just don't mix. Some relationships don't mix. Some, uh, you know, some uh, business partners just don't mix. Some, if you, if you ever had a divorce, you will know some marital relationships just don't work. They don't mix. The reason your marriage ended in a divorce is because the two of you didn't mix. And we could go on and on and on and on with examples of things that just don't mix. And that's the meaning behind the law. All right, number three, all 613 laws do not apply to me. Why? Well, because I'm a man. 
the law that applies to a woman's menstrual cycle, you know, that she would be ceremonially un, uh, unclean for a few days or whatever, and that, that don't apply to me. Okay, you understand why. Number four, the principle of God's law remains the same. The application can change. All right, the principle of the law remains the same. It always remains the same. The application can change. The sacrifice of a lamb to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The lamb, behold, the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. I mean, I can't give you a more beautiful example than the principle of God's law remains the same, but the application, how we apply it, we're not out sacrificing animals today. Why? Because Jesus Christ became our sacrificial lamb. All right. Exodus 21, verse 23. And if a man shall open a pit, or if a man shall dig a pit, dig a pit, and not cover it, an ox or an ass fall therein, and the owner of the pit, the owner of the pit shall make it good, and give money unto the owner of them, and the dead beast shall be his. You know, this is basic common sense about digging a pit. You know, uh, one day I was riding my dirt bike as a teenager through the woods and a, or a wide trail and some farmer had gone in there. I didn't see no post-it sign, but I guess he had one. And he dug with a backhoe this big eight-foot-deep pit, hoping, I guess, I'd fall in it. If, I, if I'd have fallen in it, I would have broken my neck. But I dodged it. Okay. What's this verse saying? He says, this verse is saying, just because you don't want someone on your land, don't, you know, put your post-it sign up, but don't do stupid things. Like dig a big hole and, uh, and, and make it so nobody can see it. A trap, which is basically what the thing was like. Uh, don't do that. Okay. You would become, if I would have broken my neck, he would have become responsible for me. You know, burn for burn, breaking neck for breaking neck, I guess, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> death for death, okay? All right. Okay, Deuteronomy 22, verse 8. When you build a house, then you shall make a battlement uh, for the roof, that you bring not blood upon your house if any man fall therein. Otherwise, you're up on the house. They had flat roof homes. They're up there drinking in the cool of the day, a glass of wine or whatever. The principle of God's law remains the same, but the application can change. Okay, the principle of this law is, is actually built into our building codes. If you build a deck off the ground so many inches, you've got to put a railing around it. Okay, we don't put railings on A-roof homes, but that's because it's not necessary. But it's just to keep people safe. So we could say these laws that, you know, that not in the ten at all, a lot of these laws we're still keeping because they're built into our building code. We still keep these laws of safety. There's certain laws about electricity, you know, that, that uh, you know, you just can't rig something. You got to think about the next person that comes along that buys your house. You don't want him to get electrocuted. Okay, you don't want him to fall through the toilet or anything like that. You want to take care of your stuff. All right. We still keep these laws. So when Jesus said, For verily I say unto you, to heaven and earth pass, not one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. I mean, he's talking about the law. He's talking about doing the right thing. Number five is a common sense approach to the law of God. 
And, and that is basically, you're going to have, a lot of times, the reason we don't keep the law is lack of conviction. People are talked out of their conviction. You know, it's like that little, you know, the story of the parable where, you know, people are, they go to their preacher. Or that's, that's the case in many times. They go to their preacher. In fact, I'll give you an example of this. We used to have a guy that worked with us, and he, he, would, he, would, he knew I didn't eat pork. And he said, David, I feel guilty. Every time I come to, to work with you, I got a pork sandwich. It's pork on Monday, pork on Tuesday, pork on Wednesday, pork on Friday. He said, I'm just feeling guilty. I'm going to quit eating this stuff. Well, he joined a church, and guess what happened? The church told him, ain't a thing wrong with eating pork. It's good for you. And so it never bothered him anymore. You know, people are talked out of their convictions. You know, it happens all the time. Romans 2 and verse 14, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do my natures, the things contained in the law, having a law, having not the law, are a law unto themselves. Yeah, when you got that natural conviction, it's like a law to you. Which show the works of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts meanwhile accusing or excusing one another. So this one's a very uh, serious issue that we have to deal with in the churches of God, and that is, you know, there's really nothing you can do about it when you try to share something and then someone else comes along and talks them out of their conviction. You can share truth, but you cannot create conviction. That's God's job to create conviction. But in our society, with, with the churches of God, the belief systems that we have of Sabbath keeping, holy day keeping, the dietary laws, you got to realize that the world, for the most part, is against you. They're going to be teaching and, and, and the exact opposite. They're going to be telling preachers and friends and relatives are going to say, nope, you don't have to keep the Sabbath. Nope, you don't have to keep the dietary laws. Nope, you don't have to keep those holy days. Uh, all that's been abolished, fulfilled, done away with. We can prove it here. We'll go to church and we'll listen to the preacher talk about how the law's been fulfilled, been nailed to the cross, all that. So you really are up against something big here, you know. Uh, uh, the prince of evil is what you're up against, you know, uh, who loves his religion. He just don't want God's people doing what they should be doing, okay. But he's a very religious being, uh, Beelzebub, that is. Uh, he wants you to worship God. He just wants you to worship God the wrong way. Okay, that, that's what he's all about. Okay, hi, Brother Dave. Can you do a video explaining... Why we should keep the dietary laws and his feasts, not just the Ten Commandments. Okay, many Christians do think they think the Ten Commandments, uh, minus the Sabbath, of course. I believe most Christians believe in the Ten Commandments, except one. Okay. And I, I sort of agree with that. You know, if you were to ask most Christians, do you believe it's all right to kill? Do you believe it's all right to steal? Do you believe it's all right to cheat on your wife? They would all say, no, that's a sin. And, and maybe eventually we'll get to the point where all these things will be justified. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll make light of even them. But I'll tell you a little story here. Our modern-day evangelist, Billy Graham, told Doug Batchelor. Now, Doug Batchelor is a seven-day Adventist. Uh, this is a conversation between Billy Graham and Doug, Doug Batchelor a long time ago. He, Billy Graham said, look, I know what you're saying is true. But if I, that is keeping the Sabbath, but if I was to proclaim it, I would lose my backing and my church supporters wouldn't fund me anymore. Doug Batchelor publicly stated their conversation while Billy Graham was still alive. Now, I have to admire Billy Graham for one thing, his honesty. 
I have always, because it's, it's the honest truth, I have always been painfully aware of this, that all I would really need to do to get more people in, of course I don't get a salary, but, but to get more people in here is just change the day that I worship on. Okay, that's all it would do. You know, I don't get a salary. So the good thing about that is that people, you can't fire me. Uh, that's the good news. I can say whatever I want to say, and I can't get fired. Now, I will, I will say this. I do not believe God gets upset at a one-hour worship service on any day of the week, be it Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. As far as just people getting together to worship, I don't think that upsets him. But the Sabbath command says this. Exodus 20 and verse 9. Six days shall you labor. That six days shall you labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. Thy God, in it you shall not do any work. Your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger, that within your gate. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and sea and all them therein and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. I want you to imagine Joe Olstein getting up in front of his congregation and saying, Folks, I've been wrong about Sunday keeping. Next, next, day, next Sabbath we're going to meet here on Saturday because I've just been convicted that the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week is the Sabbath. Now, Joe Olstein has a net worth of about $40 million. What do you think would happen to that $40 million? What do you think would happen to Joe Olstein if he did that? Now, I really don't care how much they make or how much they spend on, you know, their, or how they spend their money. Kenneth Copeland, you know, he bought an aircraft. If people are that gullible and they want it, if they're that stupid and they want to send money to him, let them do it. The problem I have is this. If they spoke the truth, they wouldn't have that kind of money being donated to them. That's the point I'm trying to make. I know that from personal experience. I see how many people show up to our church on the Sabbath day and I don't get a salary. And one of the reasons I don't get a salary is I wouldn't take it, but one of the reasons I don't get it is because there's not enough people coming here to give me a salary, okay? So, you know, I mean, this is just a no-brainer. Why don't people honor God's Sabbath? Well, number one, it's what preachers have been taught in seminary school. They, they have been taught it's not important, it's for the Jews, it's for Israel only, it's the old covenant, it doesn't transcend over into the new covenant, uh, which leads to the lack of conviction. You're the listener in the audience, and you're taught what he's taught out of seminary school, and it just leads to lack of conviction. I don't care, I don't need to keep the Sabbath, forget it. You see, there are three false gods, three idols that we all worship money god you're not going to tell me how to spend my money you're not going to tell me i need to tithe i am not going to tithe i don't care what the bible says time god you're not going to tell me how to spend my time i'm not keeping a 24-hour period called the sabbath day belly god you're not god you're not going to tell me what i can and cannot eat you're just not Okay, there's three idols, three false gods that we all worship. If you can conquer those three, you might have a relationship with God. I say might. Okay, many Christians do think the ten, uh, ten still apply, but 
they don't think we need to keep the feast and the food laws. All right, feast days, Leviticus 34 and verse 4. These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations which you shall proclaim in their season. Now here's the thing you got to know about the feast of the Lord. They're referred to as the feast of the Lord, and they're all about Jesus Christ. Why would churches not keep feast days that are in the Bible, and they're all about Jesus Christ? Why? Passover. Everybody, okay, what's the Passover? When I see the blood, you know, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. It's about the, the blood of the lamb. It's a Passover lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world, Jesus Christ. Passover, unleavened bread. Now, I'm going through scripture quickly from the New Testament. Matthew 26, verse 17. Now, the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where were you that we prepared you to eat the Passover? Okay, this is the holy day season. Often the Feast of Passover or the Feast of Unleavened Bread were referred to as synonymously, together, or whatever. Okay, so, but this is the New Testament church, and they're asking Jesus, Where do we keep the Passover and Unleavened Bread? Pentecost. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 7. For I will not see you now, nor by the way, but I trust and tarry a while with you, if the Lord permits. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. Why? Why was Paul saying, I'm going to tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost? Why didn't he say, I'm going to tarry at Ephesus until Halloween? I'm going to tarry at Ephesus until Christmas. I'm going to tarry at Ephesus until Easter. It's not in there. The New Testament church, Jesus Christ, was keeping the holy days. Feast of the trumpets. Matthew 24 and verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And then they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trump and shall gather together the, the elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. Yes, the feast of trumpets, which is all about Jesus Christ returning to this earth to set up his kingdom. Day of Atonement. I'm reading from the Good News Bible, Acts 27 and verse 9. We spent a long time there until it became too dangerous to voyage, for it was now the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement was now was already passed, so Paul gave them this advice. Okay, here again, we're making references to the Day of Atonement, one of God's holy days, Feast of Tabernacles, Acts 18 verse 21. But bade them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that comes in Jerusalem, but I will return again unto you if God will. And he, and he sailed from Ephesus. The last great day, John 7 and verse 37. In that last great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. They're all about Jesus Christ, okay? You know, in the Old Testament, when you read through the Old Testament, Israel and Judah, they would leave God and they would turn back to God. They would leave God and they would turn back to God. They had bad kings. They had a few good kings. But the good kings would always return the law of God. And the first thing the good king would do is to keep the appointments with God, to keep the holy day. That's the first thing that he would return to. The keeping and observing of the holy days. My question to you, church, why are you not doing it? Why are you not keeping the holy days? Why don't preachers and people honor the feast days? Well, it's what they've been taught in seminary school. It's what preachers have been taught in seminary school. 
which leads to lack of conviction. They share it with their congregation. All that was for Israel only. It's not for us. You know, for 20 years, I thought a rabbit laid an egg. You know, that's cute. That's funny. But the holy days, oh, Feast of Unleavened Bread, we don't understand that. But, it's, but, it, but it makes sense that, that we got rabbit trees with eggs on them. Okay? How stupid is that? How stupid is that? Many Christians do think the Ten command, the ten still apply, but they don't think we need to keep the feast and the food laws. Now, here's the thing about the food laws. If you live in America, you're already keeping 80% of those food laws. You don't eat rats. You don't eat bats. You don't eat snakes. You don't eat dogs. You don't eat, you don't eat cats or, or, or anything like that. I saw a video of a, of a camera was being taken through a food court in China. It was disgusting, the things they eat. They eat anything. But if you're American, you're already keeping 80% of these dietary laws. Why don't people honor the food laws? It's what preachers have been taught in seminary school, which leads to lack of conviction. Like my friend I told you about, he lost all his convictions about the food laws. He had a conviction about the food laws until he joined a church. He'd been a lot better never to have joined a church. But he joined a church, and the church talked him out of his conviction. Then there's laws like incest, which are not in the ten, but clearly stand. Nobody really explains this properly. Yes, people pick and choose the laws they want to keep. Laws like pedophilia, incest. People pick and choose because it agrees with their lifestyle. If this law in the Bible doesn't agree with my lifestyle, well, then it's been done away with or dismissed. Okay, that's sort of how people live their lives. Like I said, a great smorgasbord, picking and choosing what they want. The main reason you don't hear the truth of God at church is because it's what these preachers have been taught in seminary school. Until we can change their error, I don't know. It's not going to be easy to change anything because they're being lied to from their seminary school. Or should I say cemetery school? Because it's a dead faith. It's a dead faith. Okay? So let's hear the conclusion of the matter. Let's conclude with a summary of what the Bible says about the law of God. Isaiah 8 and verse 20. To the law and testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. This verse doesn't say it's a little bit of light in them. He says that if they don't speak according to the law and testimony, it is because there is no light in them. None. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. And where do we get our wisdom from? From the pulpits? From the cemetery schools who are lying to their congregation? No. From your Bible to the law and testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. And that's what's really in your Bible. Is it possible to change the man or the woman in the mirror? And if so, how? Are we simply victims of our past behaviors with no way out of our sins and addictions? 
Jesus told a woman to go and sin no more. This is real change. No longer a slave to sin. But how is this possible? You were created incomplete, lacking the necessary drive and desire that would cause you to do the right thing. The bottom line is this. You need a second spirit. Man's real problems are spiritual in nature, and the natural man simply cannot solve spiritual problems. How can we know what is right, and how can we have the desire and power to choose what is right? Real change is possible, and the ability to please God is possible, but it is only possible by receiving God's spiritual DNA. Order your free booklet entitled, How You Can Change and Please God. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at is that really in the Bible dot net?